1 Corinthians chapter 14, you remember we looked at the first bit of this last week and, and, and Paul was speaking about how it's really important that we should desire the spiritual gifts. Just to recap, we've now done, this is week number 4 on chapters 12, 13 and 14. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church in chapter 12. Remember he says to them, they write to him and they say, Paul, we want to know what spirituality is all about. And he writes back to them and he says, okay, I'm going to tell you what spirituality is all about. First off, it's all about Jesus. And no one by the Spirit of God can say, any, uh, no one except by the Spirit of God can say that Jesus Christ is Lord. And no one with the Spirit will say that Jesus is cursed. And we unpack that a little bit. And we walked on and, 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 and Paul said to us there in chapter 12 that every single person in the church is used by God. We have all been gifted for this purpose of growing and encouraging and equipping and strengthening the church. And, and Paul said there, look, there's different gifts and not everybody's the same. Just like I don't have a whole body made up of knees. I've got knees and legs and shoulders. And, and in, in that way, we are all different, uh, but we are all there together for a purpose. And if we didn't have the big toe, okay, I don't know. You can probably do without your big toe. But if you didn't have your kneecap, walking would be a lot more difficult. Every single part is important, even the big toe. And then he, Glennis is nodding her head very seriously. Your big toe is your balance. There we go. I did not know that. Um, you can discuss amongst yourselves after the service who is the big toe in the church. And who, is, and who is the pinky toe? <laughs> and we moved on and we saw in chapter 13, Paul's looking at them. He says, okay, you guys love your gifts. The Corinthians went mad with their gifts. You'd walk in and be speaking in tongues with no interpretation and they'd just be going wild. Everybody speaking at once. You wouldn't know what was being said and who was saying it. And Paul says, chapter 13, he says, okay, guys, let me show you the most excellent way. And it's all about love. And basically says, what should control our behavior is not so much the gifts, because, because the gifts are not for us anyway, they're for others, but, but they are to be exercised in love, because love defines the character of God. Love, uh, we looked at that and, and what it is, and it defines the person of Jesus, and, and love goes on forever. And Paul says to us, the gifts of God are vital and important and essential. The, the, the kind of ordinary gifts, and, but there are no ordinary gifts. And the spiritual gifts, they're all essential for the church this side of eternity. But the thing that is here now and will last forever is love. And so everything that we do should be done out of love. And then we saw last week in chapter 14, the first half of that passage... Paul writes and says, you know what, I wish you guys would desire spiritual gifts. I want you to long for gifts. Paul is one of those guys who spoke, I'm sorry if you don't like gifts of tongues, but Paul says he spoke tongues more than anyone else, privately. Paul says, I want you to desire these kinds of gifts, but I especially want you to desire prophecy because I want you to build up the church. I want you to encourage, I want you to comfort, I want you to strengthen the church. And he's, he's finishing off what he says there. Um, that's a very quick summary. Check the website if you missed any of those weeks. Um, chapter 14, verse 26. Well, my brothers and sisters, let us 
summarize. When you meet together, uh, one will sing, another will teach, um, another will tell some special revelation that God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time. And someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret... They must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. Let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak one after the other, so that everyone will learn and will be encouraged. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. For God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. Women should be silent during the church meetings. Blenners. <laughs> Women should be silent during the church meetings. It is not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive, as the law says. If they have any questions, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is improper for women to speak in church meetings. Ooh, don't you just wish that you were a preacher like 50 years ago and you could go to town and say all sorts of unbiblical things there? Or do you think God's... I don't, by the way, just for the sake of being irritating. I do a little bit. Back to the passage. Sorry. Or do you think that God's word originated with you Corinthians? Are you the only ones to whom it was given? If you claim to be a prophet or you think you are spiritual, you should recognize that what I'm saying is a command from the Lord himself. But if you do not recognize this, you yourself will not be recognized. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and, and don't forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. I said there were some curly bits in this passage, but it's actually a fantastic passage, as is all of the Bible, really. Um, Paul starts here in verse 26, and he says to us, when we get together as a church, this is a really interesting verse because it's, it's probably the earliest written account we have of the sort of things that happened in a church service. We know that every now and again they'd meet together and have communion, but, but what did they do the rest of the time? Well, we read over here that, that the people came together and they brought the gifts that God had given them and they used them. Um, they, they used their spiritual gifts to encourage and strengthen the church. And so one person would bring a song, perhaps a song that they'd written. They'd, they'd read something of the scriptures or they were just expressing their love for God and they'd written a song and they brought it to the church and they sang it to the church. We do it today with, with uh, our wonderful musicians who, who help us sing. But, but hey, if you've got a song that you're sitting at home going, Ooh, Jesus, I love you. I think you, 
Sing it. Share it. Don't sing it like that. Maybe someone brings a lesson. Someone brings a revelation. Something that, that God has, has, has shown them during the week. Have you, have you ever had that when you've done your Bible reading? Um, you know, sometimes you just get a, wow, God really does love me. Or, or wow, this is what God wants us to be like. And if that happens to you, for goodness sake, share it. That's what they do in the church. Um, Paul says one person, if they've got the gift of tongue, will, will speak. And another person with the gift of interpretation might interpret that. Well, we'll have to interpret that. We'll see that in a second. But remember what, we, what we've said here is that in Corinth, they, they, their church services were, if, if you look at us today and go a bit further, they are almost the opposite. You'd come in and there would be chaos and disorder and everybody worshipping God and praising God all very well by themselves. But what on earth are we doing now? Are we singing? Are we praying? Are we prophesying? Are we speaking in tongues? Who's doing what now? Confusing. Uh, very, very difficult. And, and, and in the midst of this confusion, there's, there's very little opportunity for each other to be strengthened. And Paul says here, his big point of all of this the big point of the spiritual gifts, the point of Christian spirituality, is that everything should be done for the benefit of the whole church. Look at what he says there. Everything that is done. Everything. Announcements. Offering. Everything that is done must strengthen all of you. That's the point of Christian spirituality, is to strengthen each other. And Paul says, and if that's going to happen, you're going to have to have an orderly church, an orderly service. Now the Corinthian church, Paul had to be very strong on orderly, 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 because they were chaos, chaos, chaos. Um, I wonder whether we need to take the instruction for orderliness seriously but we also need to take the instruction to make room for the gifts. Um, I wonder whether Paul, if he wrote to the church in Comet Bay, would say, slightly less order. You know, there are some churches which have their order of service um, written into the church constitution. Paul would write and say, and a bit of room for the Spirit, if you don't mind. We're not quite that bad, but we need to be aware of, of being balanced in our worship. And so Paul starts here with, with um, he says, I want there to be order with respect to tongues. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. Speak one at a time, and they must be interpreted. Now, speaking in tongues in a good conservative Baptist church is something that we are very happy to agree to in principle, but less happy to agree to in practice. Is that not true? Um, Paul says here, and as Baptists, if we are Bible-believing Christians, we've got to take him seriously. He says, speaking in tongues is a perfectly legitimate part of a church service. And I'm saying this, and I am, I'm not at all charismatic. I'm going, oh, what am I doing? But Paul says it, and so it's true. 
Speaking in tongues is a perfectly legitimate part of a church service. Paul does say it shouldn't overwhelm a church service. He says uh, limits on it. He says only two or three per service, not all at once. And, and to the Corinthians, this probably sounded like real heavy-handed instructions from Paul. If you've got a church of 60 people and they're used to all speaking in tongues at the same time, and Paul now says only two or three of you a day and, and not all at once, they probably have been going, What? Um, and, and Paul goes even further, and he says, if there is not an interpreter in your church, don't speak. Why? Because it's not about you speaking to God and having this ecstatic experience with God. He says, that's wonderful if God has given you that gift. Do it at home. Because when you come together, when we come to church, it's not about you and God. It's about, well, it is, but it's about strengthening the whole body. Everything must be done to strengthen Everyone. He places the limit, I think, because he doesn't want to squeeze out other ministry and he doesn't want to place an undue emphasis on one gift, which is what the Corinthians were doing and which uh, some churches today still do um, and say, look, if you don't have this gift, you're not a real Christian kind of thing. Paul says, okay, it's just a gift. There are other ways that God can strengthen the church. So is it, is it right? I don't know if anyone in the congregation this morning speaks in tongues, but is it right to speak in tongues in the church? They had, uh, they had no canon yet. They didn't have the New Testament formed, but they had some letters. And, and so, yes, we are in, we are in a, a, a respect in a better position to them because God can use the letters to strengthen us. But if Paul says that it's a legitimate thing, it's got to be a legitimate thing. Um, if you are, and, and dare I say this, if, if you believe God wants you to speak in tongues, um, then do. But go casually, and if there is no interpreter, shut up to put it mildly. Um, and it's not about doing it so everyone can see. It's only if you feel that God says, you know what, I need to say something to my congregation. Um, and as I say, if there is no interpreter, then there is no right to do that in the service. Now it might be that it, two years later you're sitting having coffee with someone and they go, you know that time you did that in church? I felt like God was saying that it meant this and this and this, but I wasn't sure, so I, I kept quiet. Take out your Bible, slap them around the face a few times. <laughs> Not quiet, but you know what? If, if God's, the, the point is, if God impresses on your spirit that you need to do something to strengthen the church, God doesn't force us to do anything. Haven't we all had that experience where you felt, I, I should be doing this? And you go, yeah, concentrate over there. Um, speaking in tongues, just like prophecy in verse 30, are not something that we cannot control. Um, a person with a gift can choose to use it or not, and, and God's Spirit never overrides the will of a person. Um, in fact, it goes far as to say is, if, if someone is genuinely out of control, 
with whatever they are doing, if they're prophesying or speaking in tongues or, or speaking a revelation or whatever, if they are genuinely out of control, I would be asking, is that the Spirit of God speaking? Because that's not how God acts. In fact, Paul says there in verse 33 that God is a God of peace, not disorder. And that's proved in all the meetings of God's people. As a church, we must be orderly, but we need to make room for the gifts to be used. Paul goes on, he says, okay, prophecy. I want you to be orderly when it comes to prophecy. Um, like tongues, he says, don't let prophecy overwhelm the service. Two or three people only. And, and if someone receives a revelation from God, then, then hand over to that person. Um, just remind ourselves quickly, what is prophecy? Prophecy includes preaching. What else is prophecy? It's forthtelling. What is forthtelling, though? That's just a different word. Sometimes. Prophecy is not always a prediction about the future, but sometimes God does uh, speak about the future. Forthtelling? It's encouragement. It, exactly. I, I think. We, we gave a definition last week, which I can't remember the exact wordage, but basically it's prophecy is a word from God to his people. And so prophecy can be through preaching, it can be through teaching, it can be through God impressing on someone saying, you know what, you really need to tell the congregation that God is going to um, do this in the future. Or you really need to tell the congregation that that God is pleased with what you're doing. Or you really need to tell the congregation that God is displeased with what you're doing. You know what? There are many means of prophecy. Prophecy, what prophecy is not, is a hotline that you phone and someone says, this personal little thing to you. Prophecy is in the context of the church. It's for the people of God. If someone gives you personal prophecy out of the church, again, I'm not going to say God can't do that, but wariness is a good thing in that case. Um, and so if you are sitting in the congregation, and this is probably going to throw a few feathers in there, but if you're sitting in the congregation, and as I'm speaking or as the worship leader is prophesying, because they can prophesy as well when they lead, I'm not sure toilet paper counts, but... but they can prophesy as well as they stand, or as someone is doing communion. If, if you feel that you have something that God wants to say to the church, well, what does Paul say we should do? He says over there, let the others evaluate what is said. I hope you're always checking up on me because there have been a few times where I've said something that wasn't quite right. Um, we must all evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking, when they are done and finished making their point, must stop. No, it says there, if, if someone receives a revelation, the one who is prophesying must stop. And so if I'm speaking and you get the impression, or whoever is speaking, you get the impression, God needs us to hear this now. You put up your hand, and I'll step aside, and you can come and say it. Just by the way, we will still be practicing uh, verse 29 there, 
and we will be listening very close, hopefully just as close as you listen to me. It's not something to be abused. You, you actually have to have something uh, that you think God wants us to hear because God is a God of order, not of disorder, a God of peace. Uh, it's not about cutting someone short. It's about strengthening the church. And we were discussing this at music group um, on Wednesday and we thought, oh, no, but that's just going to interrupt the flow of the service and the sermon. And You know what? If, if God lays it on someone's heart that something has to be said, I'm happy for God to interrupt the sermon because I think God knows what he's doing. Um, but we should, as Christians, be aware and, and try and follow God's prompting properly. And perhaps if you feel something needs to be said, just turn to the person next to you and go, I think God needs me to say this. Do you think I should say it now? Okay. Uh, the other thing, just because someone says something, verses 27 to 31 cover this, just because someone says something doesn't mean it's gospel truth. Um, when you get home, have a read of Acts chapter 21. Because it's got an interesting bit about prophecy there. The, the Christians in Tyre. Paul is making his way back to Jerusalem for the final time. He's bringing a gift to the church in Jerusalem. Um, he comes to the town of Tyre. The people in Tyre have this revelation from the Lord. And they go to Paul and they say to him through the Spirit, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. The Spirit says, don't go, Paul. Don't go. A little while later, the prophet Agabus 21, Acts 21.11 arrives and says in the name of the same Spirit, Paul, if you continue your journey to Jerusalem, you will be imprisoned like this. And he acts it out. And Paul replies to them and says, I'm going. And they say the Lord's will be done. And it's interesting there because someone misunderstood what the Lord's will was. And I don't think it was Paul at all. I, I think the Christians in Tyre got the same message as Agabus, that if Paul went to Jerusalem, he would be imprisoned in chains. And the Christians in Tyre said, he's going to be imprisoned, therefore it's a bad thing. Therefore, Paul, the Spirit says, you mustn't go to Jerusalem. Do you see what they did there? We need to always be testing what is said. Um, we have the word of God, God who is perfect, God who never makes mistakes. If we follow this perfectly, we'll be wonderful. The only problem is user error. And yes, we have the spirit of God in us, but we can still make mistakes. And we need to test the prophecies. And we need to ask questions like, does it glorify God? Um, does it praise God? Does it make him known? Does it lift him up? Does it, does it match with the Bible? If someone says something that doesn't match with the Bible, it's rubbish and they shouldn't be listened to. Does it build up the church? Does it strengthen? Because that's what prophecy is meant to do. Sometimes, like the case there in Acts 21, um, we don't quite know how it strengthens the church for Paul to be imprisoned, but actually it does. The church goes places because Paul goes to Rome in chains. We need to ask things like, is the person who is speaking for God speaking out of love? 
If they, it's possible to speak the truth and be angry and unloving and not care an iota about you guys. In which case, you should probably weigh what I say very carefully because if the character of God is love and if love is what matters and love is what will continue through, if someone speaks for God but isn't loving, there's something wrong. We need to ask, does this prophet submit themselves to the judgment of the local church? I have concerns about prophets who travel from place to place because it's meant to strengthen the church prophecy. Is the speaker in control of themselves? Because God doesn't override our wills. And it's also worth asking, when I look at the person who claims to be speaking to God, can I see evidence of God at work in their life? Let's move on uh, very quickly to the the interesting bit there. Um, Ladies (laughs) should be silent. Women should be silent during the church meetings. Um, Now, your translation might put the commas and the full stops at different points. The NIV 2011, the TNIV, the NLT, the message... um, I, I think I agree with how they put it. They, they take verse 33b, which says, as in all the churches, as in all the meetings of God's holy people, they say that is about God being a God of order and peace and not disorder. Now, uh, verse 33b, according to the 1984 NIV, the New International Revised Version, the English Standard Version, they say that this is about women speaking. They say, um, basically it reads, uh, I'll read it for you here, As in all the meetings of God's holy people, women should not speak in church. Um, You could translate it that way, but I'm not sure it actually fits in with what Paul is trying to say. Uh, A guy called Barclay says it would certainly be very wrong to take these words of Paul out of the context for which they were written. Uh, And to be perfectly clear, this passage... I'm going to state this categorically, does not say that women cannot teach or minister or serve in the church. Down the line, straight categorically, if you disagree, go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 5, where Paul says that women will prophesy and pray in the church. Um, you can't have it both ways. If Paul says women can do it, then women can do it. So, but, but what's he talking about over here? He says, keep quiet in church. It's very difficult to prophesy and pray if you have to keep quiet. What does he say here? Um, Well, I I think there's there's two options for us. Um, It's it's very likely that in the Corinthian church, the women were segregated from the men. And so we'd have the men on this side. In fact, why don't we just, just quickly do that? Can I have all the ladies on that side of the church, please? And can I have all the men on this side of the church? You can come back in a second. And this is still how it happens in some churches in the Middle East. Um, Now, if if the church service was conducted in the main formal language, um, 
in archaeologos, kaiholocos mythos, kaiholocos entheos. And all of the men go, ah, oh, yes. They, they spoke in Greek. That was the main language. You also got to remember the men in those days were educated. Um, the woman, you'd speak your own dialect. And it's quite possible, uh, it's just that Paul doesn't approve of women being less educated than men, but this might have been the situation that he was addressing. Um, it's possible that if I'm speaking in a language which you only half get, that you're going, oh, no, no, I can't really understand it, so I'll have an atom with Charmaine. Blah, 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 blah. Or, or, you call out to your husband, Eric, what is that one? I didn't quite, Eric, what, uh, what was the mark? I didn't get that one. If this is the situation that Paul is writing to, it makes perfect sense. He says, keep quiet in church, ask him afterwards. Because you're disrupting, and it's not going to strengthen everyone if every two minutes there's someone going, uh, uh, John, I didn't quite get that one. That's disruptive and shouldn't be allowed. That's, that's one possibility for what Paul is talking about here. But uh, there is another one, and, and I think I favor the, the second one a bit more, but I think there's truth in the first one as well, if I can have my cake and eat it too. Um, we're told in verse 29 that the congregation is to evaluate when a prophet speaks, when someone speaks for God. Um, one of my commentaries, the Baker commentary, says, Corinthian women are not to be silent with respect to praying, prophesying, singing, but it might be that they are to be quiet when their husband's prophecies are being discussed in the church. And so if your husband has just got up and said, God says this, and you're sitting there going, man, you are absolutely nuts. We talked about this last night. God does not say that. Um, Paul uh, could be saying to them, you shouldn't speak when your husband's prophecies are being discussed, both on the basis of creation order, and we can go back and read 1 Corinthians 12 for that, and also just to honor your husband's. Uh, it's quite possible that in Corinth, some of the women had decided that they were, they were free in Christ. They have all the rights in the world. They can evaluate what their husbands say and do so rather sharply and personally in the church service. And Paul says to them, I'm not saying don't discuss it, but take it up at home. Don't air your domestic theology disagreements in the church. So what is Paul saying there to women? He's not saying you are not allowed to be part of the church service. He's basically saying in all that we do, we should seek to strengthen the church. Now if that means not shouting out across the aisles or chattering amongst ourselves, we shouldn't be chattering amongst ourselves. I remember going to a church service in Esperance. Uh, I was on a mission. And you could barely follow what was being said up the front because Everybody in the congregation was chatting during the sermon. I, don't, I have no idea what the guy said. But that, that's, I think that's kind of what Paul is saying here. And, and also, if, if your husband says something, don't call him out on it in the church. I'm very fortunate my wife doesn't do that. Um, uh, we should also say there that, that this in particular applies to, I think, married women. Because if you're not married, you can't go and discuss it with your husband at home. So there's, there's, there's that nuance there. Paul says to us, and we're going to finish here, 
He says in verse 37 to 38, if, uh, if his woman have any, that's verse 35. Um, do you think, verse 36, that God's word originated with you, Corinthians? Are you the only ones to whom it was given? If you claim to be a prophet or you think you are spiritual, you will recognize that what I'm saying is a command from the Lord himself, but if you don't recognize it, you yourself won't be recognized. Um, it's very easy to start changing doctrine and practice because we think it's right. I think what Paul is saying there, whatever we do, however we strengthen the church, we have to bring it back to what God has already shown of himself. We don't get to decide what Christianity is. We get to live it out. We get to live it out. Um, but have a look also what Paul says there. And this is perhaps a, a verse which, uh, which us evangelicals have ignored a little bit. He says, So my dear brothers and sisters... Be eager to prophesy. Be eager to prophesy. And don't forbid speaking in tongues. He has to say this to the church in Corinth, which has been going mad speaking in tongues. Because he's been speaking very strongly and saying, no, strengthen, 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 strengthen each other. And he comes back at the end and goes, that doesn't mean I said stop it completely. It doesn't mean it's not allowed. And I don't think we've, in the Western church, in the evangelical church, I don't think we have officially disallowed it. But in practice, perhaps we have. And he says explicitly, be eager to prophesy. How many of us come to church going, oh, I wish God would give me something to strengthen the congregation? Or how many of us come to church going, oh yeah, I hope there's something good for me today? Do you see the difference there? One is about getting, getting, getting. One is about, I want to strengthen. I want to see God's church flourish. I want to see God's church grow. See, that's the point of spiritual gifts. And that's why Paul said to us last week, you should desire the spiritual gifts. You should long for God to use you to grow your church. To grow Christ's church. Am I eager to prophesy? Are you? You see, a church service must be orderly and planned, but it can also have real participation within that and space for the Spirit of God. And so we discussed this at Music Group on Wednesday, and we said that, that uh, from today and, and from next meeting, we will be having a time during the service where if you have something that you want to share or testify or, or you've read in your devotions this week and something has just hit you or, or you, you feel like God wants to say something to the church or whatever, there will be a time for you in the service to do that. Because we want to take seriously what the scriptures say when it says that God has given each one a gift and God wants to strengthen the church. And so if God has strengthened you, strengthen us. And yes, there are risks that we will get some nutter standing up and talking rubbish. 
I've been in a church where somebody walked up and they didn't have a time. He just walked up to the front, grabbed the microphone and started trying to bring the Toronto blessing on the church. Um, And look, as a congregation, there are risks, but there's also rewards. The reward is we're doing what God tells us to do. And the risk is that we will not do anything when somebody says something wrong. We have to take seriously Paul's instruction to give openness and room for the Spirit to move, but we also have to take his instruction seriously to weigh what is said and done. Because God will strengthen and comfort and encourage us through his Spirit. I hope he has today. I hope he will in the future. Now unto him who is able to keep us and to present us without too many faults and no, to present us without fault or blemish before his glorious throne. To the only wise God our Father be glory and majesty and power and dominion now and forever. And may that dominion be seen in our church. May his power be evidenced in our midst. May his glory shine in this place. Amen. You may return to your wives. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have to? (laughs) Who said that? Oh, I'm mic'd up now.